Welcome to Beer Massive, a collection of good beer-centric conversation, interviews, editorials, reviews, and more from a collective of centrally like-minded yet individually opinionated good beer fanatics. From podcasts born in the present, or from our massive library of brewer interviews from years past, we hope you enjoy what you hear. If you do enjoy what you're here, please subscribe. Feel free to reach out to us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram on tap, at Massive Beers, or email us individually at massivebeers at gmail.com. How you doing out there, magical land of the internets? Matt from Massive Beer Reviews, here back with a, another uh, Beer Massive editorial. Um, yeah, um, I pop these off every now and then. Um, usually it's something I do solo by myself when I kind of have a thought in my mind. It's more op-ed piece or whatever you want to call it. And uh, it's been a bit since I actually recorded one of these. Uh, I posted a couple not too long ago, um, but those are more kind of uh, ones I had recorded previously for another platform. Um, so I figured I had a little bit of an, an itch I needed to scratch. Uh, so I figured I'd record one. Um, yeah, like I said, uh, these are more just kind of when I have blips and bleeps of stuff inside my brain I want to talk about. It. And this one actually is a long time coming. Um, I, there is an article out there um, from, it's actually on Good Beer Hunting. If you've never been to the website, that's kind of weird because if you're watching a YouTube channel or listening to a, um, a beer podcast, then chances are you know what Good Beer Hunting is. Um, but a, a gentleman by the name of Chris Heron. Uh, he's the CEO and co-founder of Creature Comforts Brewing um, in Athens, Georgia. Um, quite a popular brewery. Um, they uh, We get their stuff up by me. Uh, well, when I, was, when I was in Pennsylvania, I don't know if they actually distribute it in Jersey. But they're uh, quite, you know, quite popular. Anyway, um, he uh, wrote an article almost about a year ago. This is August. He wrote it in May of 2017. This is August 2018. And it was a kind of a, an article kind of um, of his insight into what AB InBev is doing when it comes to their acquisition of craft beer. The name of the car article was uh, Watch the Hands, Not the Cards, The Magic of Megabrew. Um, like I said, you can go check that out. Just type that into Google and you can go um, read the article um, on Good Beer Hunting, as you should. But I'm going to synopsize some of it because it kind of uh, my idea of what's going on with beer at the moment is kind of tied to this loosely. So basically the whole gist of it, and just to give you a little bit of background, um, he brings a unique perspective um, to the article in that he actually worked for Big Beer for quite a while. He worked for Miller Brewing Company. Um, uh, he worked for Diageo, which pretty much owns like every liquor company in the history of mankind and worked on both ends of the spectrum. So he's lived in that world of Big Beer. And he um, uh, he breaks it down like this and he goes into a multi-level thing in his article um, about uh, brain equity, goodwill and and uh, impairment charges when it comes to kind of branding and how that all uh, affects beer, um, big beer, and what they kind of, that's the big three as far as how they um, think about beer and how they kind of um, uh, evaluate uh, beer. And he goes into multiple different things on in this article. Um, he goes into um, distribution networks and buying up resources and all kinds of other things. But for the sake of this article, we're going to kind of focus in on one specific idea that he has. And that the is the idea. And it's a very, I mean, he has the insight, so it kind of makes sense. But it's very interesting and it makes sense in that big beer buying up craft beer wasn't so much that they were trying to sneak 
a fastball by you. They weren't saying, oh, okay, we're going to buy a craft beer and then we're going to sell it and you're not going to know we're making it. You're going to drink it and haha, fool, get, you know, fooling you kind of thing. His argument was one of one part of his argument. What we're going to focus on in this podcast is that like Budweiser is a premium product. As far as Budweiser is concerned, it's a premium product and Budweiser in itself, the beer and their high end bud and beers like that, what they consider high end, not their, I shouldn't say high end. They're, they're premium category because they actually have a high end. Um, their premium category, bud um, is being devalued by craft beer. Uh, so by that, I mean, you're like, no shit, Sherlock. By that he means is that, you know, you go out and buy a, a six pack of bud for $8. But if you go buy, uh, you know, insert a craft brewery here for $12, the gap between bud and, and that, uh, that craft brewery is too big for bud to be considered a premium product. So if it loses its luster as a premium product, then it ends up losing a lot of money because it's equity. It's, it's brand equity basically gets kind of drummed down into nothing. And then over time, it basically ends up becoming a middle of the road product. And that's no good for Budweiser. Like that's where they make their money. So, um, yeah, you know, for them to go off and buy a brewery that costs $15 million, well, Bud makes them billions of dollars. Um, they're more worried about Bud losing money than them making some money from the craft end of things. So, um, but the long form thought process that most people had when it came to kind of big beer buying craft beer was, okay, they're trying, as I said before, kind of sneak one past you going, okay, I'm going to buy a uh, goose Island. I'm going to buy wicked weed. you uh, you kind of know these brands already, and then you're going to buy it. And then I'm going to make money because you don't know Bud's making it. His argument is, well, let's us, let us buy uh wicked weed. Let us buy goose Island. Let us use our resources, our mega buying power, our distribution network, all the things we have at our at our, at our, at our um, utilization. You know what I mean? Smaller staffing, um, streamlining the process, cutting off all the grizzle and fat, and be able to take that beer that uh, was originally a you know fourteen fifteen dollar six pack of beer, and now let's reduce that down to ten eleven dollars a six pack. When you do that. Then with Bud being at eight to nine dollars a six pack, it doesn't look as much of an inferior product. So you have this kind of uh, this almost like uh, since both ends are coming closer together, there is no big gap. It ends up looking like Bud doesn't look that bad anymore. You go, okay, well, Bud is kind of like a lower end premium beer now because it's not that gap's not so big. It's just not the next level down. It's not like going from craft to Bud and then like Coors or mill, uh, mill uh, uh keystone light or something like that there's like tears to it so at that point what what bud does and again we're not dealing with the super nerd nth degree super nerdery beer people here we're talking about people that like craft drink craft do all that stuff but don't have a problem with floating back and forth between both worlds it makes sense to them again because for two things one uh, they've if there's not a big of a jump um, going from Budweiser to the next beer or conversely, there's no problem with you trading down and going down to Budweiser because it's like, ah, oh, you know, it's not that bad of a beer. It's, it, it, it's comparable at least in price point, And that makes sense. I've always paid eight, nine bucks for a six pack and his beers. Now, nah, you know, this beer is only like 10, 11 bucks. Huh? You know, it's kind of the same thing. And that's kind of his argument. 
crappily made by myself. A little bit of synopsis. It's way more in depth. Like I said, it's probably one of the better reads you got to read. Go go back and read it. Like I said, even over a year old, it kind of rings true. Um, and that's kind of what he was talking about in there. He's basically talking about them buying up the market and basically taking over breweries in and around the country in specific areas and basically kind of leveling the playing field or retracting the playing field and bring it closer to Budweiser to make Budweiser more relevant to give them tap handles that make sense as opposed to, you know what I mean, being a separate thing from craft beer. Now, what I've seen is the weird part about it, and this is the stuff that's been picking at me and the whole kind of cusp or whatever you want to call it, impetus for the whole conversation is I, I kind of see it happening on the other end of things. Now, I don't think it's driven by this article because I think this article um, came out after it started happening. Maybe other people viewed it or other people had the idea of doing it or other people knew about this um, kind of uh, structure and way to kind of manipulate the market for lack of better things. But I see this actually happening on the crap beer end of things, but I see nobody really talking about it. And by that, I mean, when you talk about um, uh, crap beer the way it is today, um especially in the, again, this is getting a little bit more into the kind of beer nerdery things. This is the people that kind of go out and buy beers, uh, you know, beer at breweries. They go out and buy, you know, cases or four packs and all that stuff at breweries. Um, it's kind of a little bit more net market. A lot of this ends up going to kind of shelves and stuff like that too. So it's not just exclusively for line waiting, neck breathing kind of beardo dudes out there waiting for their sticker cans. But a lot of it has to do with that is that, uh, you know, when, when the whole kind of sticker can release thing kind of came to, um, it's, I wouldn't say pinnacle cause it seems like it's still rising. <sighs> Most of the beers that came out were your big, huge IPAs. You know, they kind of, you had breweries riding the wave and kind of, you know, not even riding the wave, but also blazing the trail when it comes to those kind of releases. You know, the OGs of the world when it comes to it, especially here on the East Coast, you're talking about your other halves, your trilliums, those kind of breweries of the world. And they're doing their sticker can releases, they're doing their hazy IPAs, they're doing their IPAs, they're doing their double dry hopped IPAs. When those first came out, and maybe using other half and trillium is a bad example because they were always tend to be priced a little bit higher uh, just because of where they are, you know, Boston and New York. Um, but the breweries that tend to follow suit closely and closely after that, more of the times than not, they were actually selling beer at $14, $15, $16 a four pack. So they're selling these, you know, sticker can pounders at $14, $15, $16 a four pack, selling them along the way, doing their thing, hand over fist, making tons and tons of cash. At the time, it's like, holy shit, you're charging $15, $16 bucks for a four pack. That's kind of expensive. New argument always was, well, the beer's really expensive to make. Um, you know, it, it's it's really expensive to make. Uh, you know, there's so much hops in it and there's so much time and effort that goes into it. It just needs to be at that price. You know, take it for what it's worth. You want to argue the pricing of beer all you want, but you know, you know, usually a barrel of hazy IPAs are usually about like, you know, I don't know, two, 300 bucks a barrel. It could be a little bit more. It could be a little bit less depending on how crazy you're going with it. But you know, give or take, you're talking right around there. If you sell that, you know, four or five bucks a pint, you're looking at eight, $900 a barrel. So there's a, a lot of profit in there. Sure. There's, you know, employees time. There's, you know what I mean? Um, you know, tank time, all those kind of things come into effect, but there's profit to be made. At that time, the pricing was quite high, but people still bought them. Um, and over time, those price points have kind of just gone up and up and up. 
Um, you look at now, like eighteen to twenty dollars a four pack of those same beers a year, year and a half ago. You know, it, 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 that's the norm now. It used to be fourteen to sixteen. Now it's you know eighteen, sixteen to twenty. Uh, or 18 to 20 for the same kind of beers. So you're talking about a rather large markup over time. That's not that big of a span of time. Um, has a beer changed? Could be. Um, but at the same time, beers change. You know what I mean? Like efficiency changes, the time you get to produce it, the time you flip it over, those kind of things speed up. So not much has changed, but beer has slowly gone up and up and up in that kind of sticker can kind of world. And you also see it, especially here in Jersey, uh, for those of you not out there, Jersey is kind of weird. A bulk of the stuff that's produced in Jersey hits shelves, just the way it works. So we do see a lot of stuff in the shelves here, but they end up coming in at a higher, higher price point. And at first I was like, it just kind of like irked me, it kind of peeved me. I was like, okay, this kind of sucks that I have to sit here and pay this much for beers that I like. More times than not, I wouldn't really indulge all that much. Sure, every now and then I'd buy some, but more times than not, I kind of look for something that was comparable uh, from another crap brewery, a local one or something like that, that was just kind of like in line with what, you know, I believe. And again, that's the subjective part of it. I believe is a little bit more kind of consumer friendly pricing. But then certain things started happening. This has slowly creeped over the past year or so, um, maybe even the past six months ago or so, is that I've seen these breweries start to pump out original beers. By original beers, I mean smaller beers, OG beers, OG style beers, Kolsch's and Pilsner's. And like small little sub 4% pale ales or sub 5% pale ales, like clear, crisp um, you know, uh, original OG style kind of beers and price them at 15, 16, 17, $18 a four pack. And then it kind of clicked a lot to do with this article. It just made me think, I was like, Oh my God, like the same argument, um, the same argument that Chris was making about the taking that Budweiser product and not you know, well, raising the price. They don't want to raise the price because their consumer base is so used to that price point, but buying a brewery, buying a crap brewery and retracting that price, slowly moving that price down um, to get closer to Bud validates Budweiser. And it almost seems like a lot of these kind of sticker can breweries are coming out with these smaller, um, way less ingredient um, sometimes at the same time, sometimes a little bit more time, but way less overhead beers. And they're pricing them very close to what they're producing in the, in the more kind of heavy overhead, um, big hazy kind of sticker can IPAs and stouts. And to me, it's the exact same process that's happening. And then, and then, in order for Budweiser to, or Bud and Bev to validate Budweiser by bringing those places closer, those breweries have raised our prices so much now they could be like, oh, we can charge $16 for this Pilsner because we are said brewery. And it's it's so weird because you look at these breweries and they and they admonish, um, you know, Budweiser and they bash on them uh, for for this reason. And they should they should absolutely be like, this sucks because this is actually, you know, you know, invalidating what we're doing um, by taking this beer and making it so cheap that we can't compete. And then you kind of validate your old product and it ends up being a thing that ends up hurting us in the long run. That they end up taking the beer they have and separating it more 
from what Budweiser is doing. Now, you could argue that that they're doing that because they're trying to widen the gap between craft beer and they're trying to widen that get, uh, gap between what they do, their Pilsner, their Kolsch, their smaller Pale Ale, which is, which is essentially based off of these kind of original styles that some of these Budweiser beers are produced off of and widen the gap so that gap gets bigger so that it ends up hurting Budweiser in the long run. But what it ends up hurting is the consumer in the long run. I understand the the want to keep lights on. That is a you know a real thing. You need to be able to do that. But you can't look me straight in the eye and say, "Here's a four and a half percent Pilsner. Give me eighteen dollars for this four pack." That's fucking crazy pants talk. You know what I mean? That's crazy fucking pants talk. Sure, you can look at it from the far right, uh, Trumponian, whatever you want to call it. Um, take it for what it's worth kind of I want to make max profits and everything I do kind of life to where it's be like hey I can charge whatever I want because I will eventually sell it and it is what it is but there is also a little bit of I don't know there should be a little bit of kind of conscience to the product I'm not trying to be grandiose saying that I am just the most well-tuned tuning fork when it comes to moral and ethics although I would say I am um but it's also a matter of you can't preach the kind of down, dirty, filthy, craptastic things that big beer does. You can't be like, they suck because they do this. They suck because they do that. And they are just trying to hurt us. The craft beer brewer who is trying to do things properly, who's trying to do things in a way that's right and it's clean and it's good and we don't stand for this big man mentality, but then just go, okay, I'm just going to try to make as much money as I possibly can. You can't argue both sides of those things. Same way I said about the ingredient portion of the show. You can't be like, oh, well, we're we're charging so much. We're charging $20 now for our you know, hazy IPAs. There's so much ingredients in them and it's so hard to make. And they go, Here's our Pilsner. Oh, but we're a crap brewery. You, you, you want to pay $18 for Pilsner. I'd be like, you just told me this is expensive because of all the overhead. But then that Pilsner doesn't have the same overhead. But you want to charge close to the same price for it. Be like, it's it's weird. It's a weird kind of dichotomy to it because it's like you can't live on both ends of the spectrum. And it just seems like that's the way things are going. I've I've walked into, you know, I had my buddies bring me a four pack and it happened to be a Pilsner from Other Happen Trillium did one. And that was $16. And I went in, I tried to buy a, a, uh, a four pack of Pilsner from Three's Brewing. I get another New York brewery, but I am in Jersey, so that's what I get off the, in a shelf off the counter. And I picked it up, and it rang up as seventeen and change. Again, that could be a markup from the actual like a place they bought it from. But I looked it online; it's not that added, out of skew. You know, it's seventeen and change. Same thing, and I got a pale ale, a small little clearish ish, nothing too crazy. Sure, a little hopped kind of pale ale that was four point two percent from Interborough Brewing that he wanted eighteen dollars for at the bottle shop. I was trying to get it again. Mark up it's in a bottle shop and things, but it wasn't I looked it up. It's not that big out of skew what the brewery cost charged. And it, it's just it's it's a weird thing. And it just kinda threw me off because there was I thought there was a big stink about the this article. I thought it made sense. I thought it made so much sense and I saw so many smart and intelligent people in the industry that looked at this article and it looked at, at it as a kind of not necessarily a breakthrough, but as a fresh, fresh, clean perspective on, on, on 
how to look at big beer uh, manipulating and doing things to the to the craft beer community, not again, not necessarily the Uber one percenters, but the craft beer community as a whole and trying to manipulate them in a way to suit their needs. And I just don't see the difference uh, between that and what a lot of these smaller breweries are doing with their price points and how they're kind of trying to validate their smaller beers by pricing the way their bigger, more heftier beers. Um, yeah. It just kind of bums me out to be perfectly honest with you because it just doesn't, it doesn't need to be that way. You know, in a perfect world, again, we're talking about a little bit of, you know, unicorn farts and sugar and rainbows here, about everything being right. But it's just, uh, you know, you, you see, you have a big company like AB and Biv kind of bash and, and try to, you know, talk about brewing beer the hard way and, and doing it right and having another side fight so hard against it. But at the same time, do the same things live along the same guidelines but in a totally other end of the spectrum it just kind of makes you kind of bummed about it you know what i mean and it's just one thing i always kind of wondered if other people saw it that way if other people looked at this and were like okay this i can see this happening because there's undoubtedly there has to be people out there listen beer's crazy right now i know people that wait in line for these 20 dollar hazy ipas that they go ape shit and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Do you know what I mean? If that's what you want to buy in the end, you know, you are skewing the market based off of your whatever. But if you want to do that, that's fine. But y- y- there is undoubtedly a, a, a price divide happening and it's seems like the consumer themselves are stuck in the middle. You know, there, how much higher, how much bigger divide can happen to where it's like, okay, now Budweiser's in their, um, bits and pieces and who they own are, are so low and then craft beer is so high. Where does, where does the consumer fit in? Where does the person that actually gives a shit fit in? Now, again, you could do that. Well, as I said before, the kind of, you know, uh, right wing kind of like, Hey, you can't afford it. Don't drink it. And you know, it'll find its level. And you know, it, you 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 do what you can afford and choose what you want to do but that's never where beer has been you know what i mean beer has always been kind of the everyman thing it's always been it's been outside of wine it's been outside of like hoity-toityness it's always been a thing of kind of uh non it's non-exclusive it's always been approachable it's always been gettable and and to take those styles of beers and make them and twist them and turn them into something that is now so high end um, that it's less attainable, less approachable. Something just is a hard time for people to kind of acquire is just a weird world to live in because I believe more times than not, and maybe this is me living with blinders on more times than not brewers tend to be pretty compassionate people. But they're usually the people that like everybody should have healthcare or everybody should have a bad example of healthcare because it's quite a bit different than drinking beer and stuff like that. But it tends to be a little bit more of kind of like a scratch my back, scratch your kind of thing. And it seems like with beer, um, the way it's heading now, especially with the brewers kind of skewing towards those smaller styles, it tends to seem like they're just setting it up for a bit more of a max profit situation because that's the new thing. The Pilsner, the Kolsch, the smaller beer, your Keller beers, your, you know, those beers, they are going to be the beers that, that brewers are, are, are going to sell you 
in the next several years. That's what they're doing. You see it already. They're setting you up for it. They're doing it. They're making that. They're showing it and they're doing it in a way to where it's the popular beer. For good reason. They're really tasty beers. They're really delicious beers. But they're really tasty, delicious beers. You drink an afternoon with your friends and hang out and have a good time. They're not a $20, 16 18 20 four pack you buy and sip in the corner while talking about the nuances and all the stuff sure i'll do that shit online because that's what i do but that's not what those beers are, are for and it seems like a lot of those breweries are skewing those beers that way they're making them at that price point to kind of validate them as a high-end kind of uber exclusive kind of beer when they shouldn't be done that way you know what I mean? They, they, it, just because you can do something doesn't mean you shouldn't. You know, it's science. It's like I made a, it's the old Patton Oswalt um, joke. It's like, I'm science. I made airborne uh, cancer, airborne and contagious. Not about shoulda. It's about coulda. No, it's not about that. It's not about coulda. It's about shoulda. And it just seems like a lot of breweries should take a page out of their own book. Um, look back at the arguments they've made about beer big beer coming at them and trying to hurt them and trying to kind of uh, take their piece of the pie that they've well-deserved worked for and should have and, and and have this big company come down and kind of take that and then be like, oh man, it sucks. They're just trying to do me dirty. But you're doing a lot of people dirty by, you know what I mean, taking these old school styles. Again, I keep saying Pilsner Kolsch, Pilsner Kolsch, Keller beer, the whole night, all those old school styles. You start putting those in cans and you start charging 16 or I shouldn't say start. You're charging 16, 17, $18 for these beers. You're doing nobody in the beer community. Good. You're just doing your pockets. Good. You're doing your bank accounts. Well, and if that's something that ends up, you know what I mean? Making your heart warm at the end of the day, then so be it. But, uh, you know, it's, there needs to be a, breaking point when it comes to this stuff and if it doesn't happen then just beer is going to go the way of uh you know what i mean it's going to go the way of you know tongue and all those weird beasts bits of bone marrow and all those weird bits and pieces of food that were so delicious that uh you know people of of means of non not of means could eat and enjoy and then uh, just got sucked up by the upper echelon and just kind of tossed around. Now you got to go, if you want to pee, bone marrow, I used to eat that when I was a kid. My mom would make it and it was delicious. Now I got to go pay some guy 80 bucks at some restaurant with umlauts on it in order to get even a taste of it. But anyway, um, <laughs> personal history aside, breweries, look at what you're doing when it comes to these smaller beers. Take your hazy double IPA, super lactose adjunct wine graped craziness. Have at it, man. 18 20 22 bucks but those smaller traditional chuggable sessionable summer styles please look at yourself in the mirror don't do it be good charge what you're supposed to charge don't try to fleece the people that pay your bills do them good do them solid do them proper don't do them dirty and just uh you know be honest about what you charge and what you're doing try not to uh just make it all about a buck. All at the same time, you know, if you have those prices where they need to be, if you charge, you know, to go back full circle, if you charge, you know, for a four pack of pounders, if you charge $11, if for a four pack or a six pack of 12 ounce cans, you charge 11, 12 bucks, 
you're still going to make a lot of money on those beers, but you're going to bridge the gap between Budweiser and you and your upper beers, and you're going to do them way more harm than the people actually buying your beers. You're going to end up hurting the person, damaging the person that you should be trying to focus on instead of yourself and your pockets. You should focus on that and and really you know, step back and see where your pricing structure is on some of your beers and understand that that you know that four percent lager at seventeen dollars a four pack does nobody good upset for your pockets and Budweiser and and does nobody good in between. So there you go. A little bit of heavy opinion stuff. That wasn't even like editorial stuff. Usually I get a little bit more kind of whatever, but that's just more like, God, I just hate seeing $16 four packs of Pilsner, man. That's just crazy pants. So, um, so there you go. Little short, little, uh, diatribe on, uh, pricing and structure and a little bit of kind of, uh, just a position to, um, that article from Chris Heron, um, him talking about how Budweiser bring beers down and, uh, buying craft beer and lowering their prices and getting closer to Bud of LA. Bud, um, my kind of counterpoint to that is uh, these high end brewers, uh, producing these smaller beers, um, and, and pricing them closer to the double IPAs to kind of validate that lower beers price. It's the same thing, different song from two different ends of the spectrum. But, um, from my perspective, maybe because I'm in it from my perspective, I feel like the Brewers have a little bit more kind of conscious in the game, and it feels like maybe there should be a little bit more of a um, a refocus of the price points at which these beers are coming out and how they're sold and, and how they reach the consumer. Because it, it, the way it's going now, like I said, in the end, it, it just hurts the middle. It doesn't hurt. You know, it doesn't hurt either end of the spectrum. It's your 1% versus your 99 And uh, I don't think that helps anybody in the long run. So there you go. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this little editorial. Let me know if you did. Like I said, I'm going to post this. Um, I'm actually going to post it on my YouTube channel too. You can go check that out, Massive Beers. Um, but this, like I said, is predominantly recorded for the podcast. But vice versa, if you want to check that out, you can go check out the um, the YouTube channel for a whole bunch of beer content. Mostly review stuff. No gradings. Just kind of talking about beers in general and stuff like that and on the other end of the spectrum. If you're watching this on the YouTubes, you can go check me out on the podcasting end of things, doing Beer Massive, uh, do um, opinion pieces like this, do roundtables with a bunch of friends, do a bunch of brewer interviews, uh, go check that out. So uh, if you have any questions about what I've said, or you have any comments, or if you have a rebuttal, or if you'd like to talk about it, please reach out, whether it be on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff, Massive Beers and Beer Massive, two separate channels. If you want to shoot us an email, massivebeers at gmail.com, and just let us know what you think. Let us know if I'm right, wrong, somewhere in between. Totally you missed the mark or you think I'm onto something. Anything to start a conversation, always down for it. So reach out to us. Let us know what you think. Talk to you later. Cheers.